doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Definitely want to get into a little bit of the trip. Uh, we shot a documentary down in Kentucky in the Daniel Boone National Forest. I went big place, very big, uh, very vast, pretty interesting place as well. Just for nature walks, if you like hiking, um, in general. But it's a very uh, deep dark uh, place, especially at night. <laughs> <laughs> when all the things are going bump in the night. That's true. Um, I went down there. So, Go so, ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, if you if you can, um, tell us, uh, tell the listeners who you were down there with and, and what the uh, what the overall gist of, of the trip was about. Well, Tonya Merkel, who does the confessional podcast, which I know you're familiar mm-hmm. with, uh, yep. did a episode a couple of months ago called dog versus dog man. Um, so he interviewed a guy named Kyle and Kyle told his story about 
how when he was younger, he went out hunting with his granddad. He lives in those woods. Um, he's grew up there his whole life. Um, I won't go into the entire story because I, I would love people to listen to the episode. It's phenomenal. But they definitely need to. They definitely need to because it is a terrifying account. I think if you have any interest in Dogman, this is probably one of the better stories I've heard um, on any podcast. And I've heard some good ones. So I think this would be up there um, in probably my top five stories easily, if not higher. Um, stories about Dogman. Uh, essentially, he went down there with his dogs. They were hunting raccoon he went deep up around the cliff area and they're and we're talking deep in the in the Danube national forest um coyote he heard coyote going on and he figured that the dogs got into it with coyote came around a big tree and there was a massive dog behind a tree and it raised up on two legs on him and essentially chased him out if it wasn't for his dogs he might not have been telling the story today. Uh, he did have another run in with the dog man as well. So he's had two. I won't get into all that. I would, I would love people to go listen to the story, but essentially that's where our journey began. So Tony has been working on a project called Legion of legends. And he assembled a team to go down to Kentucky on one of our first missions to basically hunt dog man. And everybody tells us we're pretty crazy for doing that. Matter of fact, <laughs> Kyle uh, begged us several times, which you'll hear on the documentary, not to go in there at night. Um, he did. He was our guide throughout um, several days, took us to some spots where he had some run-ins. Um, we found some fascinating things on that trip. Uh, the team, uh, myself, Christian, Ward, uh, Christian's. Now you had, you, you guys had some ca cameramen down there as well. Yeah. Man. So Christian and, and Ward are actually photographers and or videographers. Uh, Christian's actually been on the discovery channel. He's a treasure hunter. So he's actually on, um, on one of their shows. So he's, yeah, he's, he's a very intelligent guy. Uh, Ward as well. Ward's very tactical. This guy's a, uh, machine when it comes to uh let's just say the things you need out in the woods so um but he's a phenomenal videographer and tony's tony you know tony he's uh he's a genius at what he does and he assembled his team to go down into the woods with basically with kyle to hunt dog man and i'll say that we definitely ran up on some crazy things in the woods. Uh, some stuff that definitely shook us to the core. Uh, there's some things I saw I just can't explain. Um, I don't want to get into everything here. I, I definitely want people to watch the documentary and understand, you know, what we did, how far we went into those woods. Um, if you know who dark waters is, he actually told us not to go down there too. And he's, uh, dog man expert so uh yeah we had a lot of people telling us not to do it but we well now now tony's tony this is a bit of a departure for tony because this is getting more into the video realm of things than than just the audio podcasting this is going to be an actual video documentary of um 
of this uh, is is this going to be to uh, uh, put out to YouTube or is this going to be something that's a uh, you subscribe as a member? So for this first episode, we are going to release it on YouTube. I know a lot of people are super interested. Mainly, they love the Kyle story, so it's a fascinating story, and just the fact that we went down there and did this. Um, it's fascinating for people to follow the journey, but we do plan on continuing to quote unquote hunt monsters. And, uh, nice. Yeah. So <laughs> it's called uh, Legion of Legends. Um, now I'm not going to give you a date yet. Kind of, we're kind of leaving people hanging, but we're, we're close. Uh, the episode will be coming. Um, we're going to have some things, uh, to, set up that in the weeks coming. So if people follow us, follow the confessionals on Instagram, uh, follow myself at van Tesla, van underscore Tesla underscore. You can track our progress of what we're doing. Um, like I said, the team did really well, especially in some of the situations we were in, because like I said, this was, things that happened that were mind blowing to a point that we couldn't wrap our minds around what it was we saw, what it was we heard. And it was, we walked away from the situation knowing that there are things out there that we can't explain and we still can't explain, but we're going to do our best to try to hunt those things down and we'll see where that takes us. (laughs) That's awesome. That that's something to definitely look forward to, and I would encourage any of the listeners if you have not already listened to the confessionals, which I would imagine you have if you're into these kind of topics. I would encourage you to go over to the confessionals and listen to Tony. He's I don't I don't even know how many uh, episodes he has out now, but it's it's a considerable amount of content, and uh, like you said, he's a bit of a genius when it comes to. Uh, uh, moving into other directions, and and this is this is pretty exciting. It is. I think I've even actually uh, asked you if you would uh, mind throwing my name into the mix for one of the uh, one of the upcoming a specific upcoming uh, adventure, because that is uh, that's a place that I have I have been following for years and years, well before uh, it was uh, made popular by a. a recent tv show but <laughs> right uh, i well we'll we'll leave that un, undisclosed but uh man exciting stuff yeah we we definitely see a huge potential here for you know what we're doing uh, the cohesiveness of the unit was something important for us when we got down there everybody's kind of got their own skills and own areas of expertise or traits that work really well as a unit. Uh, it's always nice to have a unit of people who have separate talents, but when they come together, it forms like Voltron and works. So that was important for us and it went really well. And we hope to continue well, to I think grow with this. I think what you guys have going for you that, uh, uh, is, is quite a bit different than, than many of these, uh, um, overly produced 
television shows like you know uh, we've mentioned time numerous times on the on the show before is you know typically you have a group of personalities that are being filmed in a situation searching for something uh, but they have producers behind the scenes that are you know actually staging not necessarily staging evidence but staging situations so that visually the shot is right and you know, no, we want you to do this. And hey, how about asking a question about that? You know, so there's some leading things. Your producer for this show is actually Tony. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's not a, um, you don't have a group of people who are deciding what they think people who are going to be watching this want to see. Right, exactly. And the fortunate thing for us was having christian and ward who have this vision as well and they know how to take the shots and they're a part of the trip so it wasn't like they were cameramen that were Mm -hmm. filming they were a functioning member exactly it works a little different that way and which i thought was fascinating especially ward carrying around a camera filming while he's holding an ar-15 You know, now listeners might be thinking, okay, the last time I remember this guy being on the show, um, we, we ended the program with one of your, uh, one of your musical selections that you, you, you nicely, uh, let us put out. And, you know, so you're a, you, you're a musician, a, a, a musical artist. Right. And, you know, some people might be like, well, how, what's, where's the disconnect? Where do you go from being a, <laughs> a, a musical artist to uh, hunting cryptids in, uh, you know, the darkest, deepest depths of uh, Daniel Boone National Forest? You know, how does that all come about? But I, I think if people have paid attention to your shows that you've done with me and Tony, and I don't know if you've done any with uh, some other, other podcasts, is uh, your, your, stretch into the paranormal and the spiritual aspects of things it's pretty far reaching right i think one thing and i try to explain to people especially being a musician or a rapper i think it's tough for people to piece that together um but i grew up in the mountains of georgia so i actually grew up on the side of a mountain it was nothing for me to walk out front and see a bear walk across the front yard uh, mountain lions, bobcats, your normal creatures that you would see in the woods. Yeah. And I'm not going to make up some fantastical story like, yeah, I saw like Sasquatch 80 times when I was growing up or anything like that. <laughs> but I didn't actually run into anything when I was there. Not to say there hasn't been reports of things in the Georgia mountains, especially with the Smoky Mountains being close by sure. and everything. But Generally speaking, when we hiked and everything, we had dogs with us. So a lot of times dogs will scare off a lot of other animals in the woods before you even get run up on them. We did have a couple of ornery bears that we actually had to have removed by uh, game wardens. They were just getting a little bit too aggressive and reckless when it came to trash. So it was... uh, we had the normal stuff, but I'm very accustomed to the woods, hiking, that aspect of life. So for me to get back to kind of my roots with this is more of uh, me touching back into or me tapping back into a piece of me that I grew up with. So really that's something that a lot of people don't know about me, but 
I have a lot of love for nature and the like. So you're a good old boy. You're a good old boy. Essentially, I, I, I like to think of myself as a, a mook in the sense of uh, I've got oh. a lot of different <laughs> talents and areas. As much as I love the country and, you know, that's where, you know, I like to be as far as, you know, where I would live and, and those type of things. I do like being close to the city. I do like a lot of city life too. So I, I think I've, I've grew up with a good balance because I moved around a lot as a kid and that was important for me to keep as an adult as well. So yeah, it is, I guess on the outside looking in, you know, how does this musician go on this trip or get involved? Well, one reason, you know, Tony and I really kicked it off well earlier this year through music. Uh, we have very similar views about life and when it comes to conspiracies and, and different things. And if anybody knows my music acumen, what I talk about or what I tap into, they know the rabbit holes I go down with that. So yeah, it, it's a, it's a little more than obvious, right? So <laughs> I, I honestly, if you listen to the music, Eric, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to think I would go in the woods hunting dog, man. <laughs> exactly. But, and I guess the I reason, the reason I kind of alluded to that to, in the beginning was, you know, a lot of people, when they listen to music, um, you know, you, you've got different segments of people. Some people pay, you know, listen to music because of the lyrical content right. of something, not necessarily the musical background. Some people listen to music because they like the singer's voice versus the, the musical content, you know. Right. And uh, some people don't always pay attention to lyrics. And, and quite honestly, a lot of times it's very hard to pay attention to lyrics because sometimes you can't freaking understand what people are mm -hmm. saying. I agree. You know, so... Um, your, your lyrics are, uh, quite easily understandable and, uh, they are designed to, uh, create thought in, in people that are, uh, either already woke or, uh, on the precipice of, of waking. And, uh, that's what I like about your music. Um, I've, I've told you this before. I'm not a big, uh, not a big rap fan. Uh, it's the, the repetitive, uh, nature of it is, is something that kind of just, it kind of grinds on mm -hmm. me. And, and I think part of it is because I've worked in a, in a machine industry for so long and the repetitive noise of that machine <laughs> day in, day out for 30 some years, right. it's very annoying to me after this, this many years. So anything that has a, um, a, a repetitive cadence to it kind of gets on my nerves. Right. And, uh, that makes sense. You know, but uh, but you, when you listen to your lyrics, that's that's the that's the key to things. And uh, a little little uh, let's tease the audience a little bit at the end of this episode. You've provided a a new solo project that we're going to be debuting. Uh, what just about a week early? Actually, just a couple days, but it's a um, couple days. Yeah, a couple days. Uh, it'll obviously be released on your show today, but then it'll come out 12 a.m. on Thursday. So we got about two days yeah, so and it'll come out, but I thought it would be good to give the listener something a little different and early as well before it actually comes out. Sure. A little, uh, little Halloween uh, gift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be a little different bit 
a little bit different in style um, from what people are used to hearing from me, even though I've dabbled in a lot of different genres of music. But once, well, well, you sent you sent it to me, and I actually put it on in my car when I was, uh, I believe, I was going to uh, one of the big big box stores uh, to do some to do some shopping, right. and uh, I had a I had to pull off the side of the road. I got into the parking lot, and I immediately instead of texting you, I just called you, and I was like, "Dude, holy crap!" <laughs> you know, now now you're getting uh, now you're getting into into my. Uh, that that was I, I was I'm very pleased that you decided to let us release it on the show today, because it is uh, it's it's a fun song and uh, man I really like it I really do so um, there there's one line in there in particular that really resonated with me because it takes me back to the infancy of my. Uh, love affair with UFOs, right? <laughs> and 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 when I heard you say that, uh, sing that line in the song, I was like, "Oh my God, he did!" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was uh, that was great. That was uh, couldn't couldn't texting you back was not gonna was not gonna uh, get the the emotion across that I was feeling right. listening to that song. And you actually so. called me when I was on the way to Kentucky too to. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did. Yeah. Isn't that weird how everything just kind of always, always seems to flow together. Right. Absolutely. So. I, I was, uh, yeah, definitely headed that down that way. And then I sent that over to you. I was like, Hey, listen, you know, maybe we put this out on the show and you said, yeah, let me check it out. And, and you're like, man, this is nuts. And, you know, I've definitely let quite a few people close to me listen to it and they thought the same about the track and you know just it, it's just a evolution of, of me musically uh where i'm taking things uh one thing i never want to stay is stagnant with music uh as much as i grew up in the music game as a hip-hop artist there were so many genres and styles of music that influenced me coming up that are now able i'm able to present across the board so for me, I want to keep doing that. If I am not doing that, then I'll probably just stop doing music. So I don't make music for anyone but myself. And I think that resonates with people in the sense of if you like what I'm saying or not, you know it's coming from a place of truth from myself. So if I don't, if I get to a point where I'm making music for people, then again, I'm just going to stop doing music because I don't think that's what I was put here to do on this earth um, with anything in life. And I try to surround myself with people that are of the same like mind. I, we don't always have to agree on the same things, but the fact that people around me that I keep around me or I talk to are seekers of truth, uh, are like-minded in that sense that you know that the world isn't what is presented to you from the mainstream media, the government, the ruling elite. When you get around people that are like that, yeah, you're going to have disagreements about how you think that construct is put together because we don't know exactly, right? That's part of seeking truth. You don't know all the answers. You can devise some of those things through – research, studying, all the things they tell you not to do. 
as far as wrong think goes, <laughs> but I feel like the more that you do that, the closer you're going to get to the truth. So I feel like that that's important in that aspect to keep those people around you that help you grow too. And I just think that's a normal part of life that you should do. Uh, exactly. There's a verse in the Bible that says iron sharpeneth iron. And I think that just should hold true in anything in life that if you are around people who are strong, then it will strengthen you as well and vice versa. Well, you know, you, you and I had a conversation a couple of days ago and uh, when we were kind of putting together the framework for this mm -hmm. show and uh, you know, we, we, you, you said essentially the same thing. And I think the response I gave you was, you know, it's, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to not have a hundred percent of the same viewpoint right. on something. And when you have two people who are intelligent and passionate about that, it's okay to have a conversation that does not wind up with both of you standing in the same circle saying, yeah, oh yeah, I agree, you know, but you don't have to cancel each other out. Like it's so much the, the problem with today's, um, uh, cancel culture right. and you know god god forbid you say the wrong thing to the wrong person because you know your your career uh, as an entertainer can be over in the blink of an eye right which i agree you with know, and, and you're right with that eric in the sense of i agree in the sense of we should have the freedom to say what we want to say and I understand that that's a very touchy subject with a lot of people because they think there should be consequences for things that you say. And I agree to a certain point that if somebody's out there, you know, marching down the street and saying that, you know, mm -hmm. they want to kill all people of a certain race or whatever and causing <laughs> a riot, yes. there, there should be some consequences to that. But what I do have, what I do have a problem with though is people that have differing ideas from the mainstream thought process that get outside of that, that aren't allowed to speak their minds. One thing, and I can't remember the guy that said it, and this was actually on good old CNN and this guy was on there and I was actually shocked that he was allowed to even say this on CNN, but he made a comment to uh, Brian Steltzer and, that guy anyway he made a comment to him. <laughs> he made a comment to him and you know Steltzer looking like the egghead he is it's like oh, oh, oh. so he made a comment to him and said people should be allowed to voice their opinion even if it's wrong he said because that's what the foundation of a free society is because when you allow people to think wrong it brings them to a place to where they end up figuring it out or they're allowed to way processes. So we won't go deep into what I mean by this. And some people may pick up on this, but the whole trust the science thing, trust the science is actually a, a very new term in the sense of making people think what you want them to think. Science was never based on the subject of not being able to weigh out other options or opinions science continually evolves it never is right because you're always finding out new things as the years go the more research the more study but if you start chopping something off at the knees and saying this is right this is it and you're not allowed to question it well then that's not science anymore 
that's politics. Oh, that's very, very true. And uh, I, I, I wish I knew who it was that said this, but um, a very um, well-known um, protagonist of, of the scientific community stated that science changes with every funeral. There you go. And his his meaning behind that was with the with the passing of each scientist who is no longer around that has that voice that um, continues to perpetrate their belief of, of what the scientific community is. Once they're gone and they're replaced with somebody else, then it's replaced with that person's viewpoint. Right. And, you know, that's that's a very, man, that's an open-ended situation. It is. You know, it's, you know, when science is supposed to be about absolutes and what can be proven not what's speculated, you know, I mean, we, we could go on for two hours on this stuff alone, but you know, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, it had to be within the last, uh, two, two weeks or so. Um, uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, I remember seeing him on some zoom call into, into some news, uh, news agency and, uh, is they were, they were already talking about, you know, Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas gatherings <laughs> for, you know, for families. And, you know, and his, and his statement basically was, you know, I don't know, you know, it could, could not be an idea that we should be, you know, it's still volatile. And, you know, and I flipped the channel. This was on a Sunday. I flipped the channel over to NFL football. And what do I see? But tens of thousands of people sitting arm to arm in these massive coliseums. And he's telling people that maybe getting, you know, six to eight to ten people uh, that are all in the same family to, together for Thanksgiving or Christmas is going to be a bad idea. Right. Um, you know, it's just like, oh, oh, my God. You know, I mean, I understand that the virus is something that's real. Where it came from is debatable. How it got there is debatable. All There's all kinds of things that are debatable. But the fact that the virus exists and it's doing damage to people is undeniable. But, you know, come on, man. When you got 80,000 people sitting in a coliseum watching a football game. Right. And you're telling the rest of America that you might want to think twice about getting together for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Well, and I'm not going to go deep down this rabbit hole today. We got a lot to talk about, but um, if anybody listens to my music, they know how I feel about a lot of this stuff and I'm pretty blatantly in your face about it. Uh, what I'll say is this before we move on is always question, never accept what someone who is bought into a system who is lining up avenues of control. Don't take what they say as gold. Just don't do, do your own research. I know the, flip side of it is well you're not you're not educated like that you you need to listen to them well guess what the education system's been bought and paid for for i don't know how long so i don't trust the education system so if you want to go down that road i can go even deeper i go down a million rabbit holes so i've got a million different <laughs> angles to come back at you with with that again you said some very valid points there nobody's saying the virus isn't real Nobody's saying that 
there aren't things going on. But guess what? Viruses have been around a long time, guys. It is just it's just a, a new version of one that's been out for actually for years and years. SARS has been around a while, guys. It, it, it's nothing new. So we got to start looking at what people in power are using as control. Are they really looking out for your well-being? Or are they using something that's happening as a tool to herd the sheep around? I mean, they've been herding us around forever anyway, but we can talk about that all day. And you also have to, <laughs> yeah, and you also have to take into consideration, this will be the last thing I say on that, is that if, if a, a group is paying somebody to be the, the, the front man to tell you the information that they want you to hear, how truthful can it be? Follow the money rabbit that hole. Person, Follow the money exactly. rabbit hole. I tell people this all the time. It's honestly a Google search away to understand how interconnected the pharmaceutical industry is with U.S. government, the medical field, and yeah. U.S. government, and the government. <laughs> absolutely, world government. Yeah. You really want to get me going? We can talk about world government <laughs> now. All the worlds interconnected together, but that's another day. But yeah, I, I agree with you though. I feel like that people get so caught up in the fear porn of what's around them instead of just enjoying life. And I'm going to say this too, and I know that people that follow me may not want to hear this either, but that goes for both sides. You can get caught up on the opposite end of things where you get so caught up in the government control aspect and everything else where you're not living your life. Yep. I don't think we were put on this earth to not live our lives to the fullest and enjoy it, enjoy our friends and family and be connected to other people. So what someone has a mask on or so what someone doesn't have a mask on, does that mean that you look at them with disdain and want them to die? I've heard people say that on both sides and it's fascinating to me how easily people are divided and they forget who they are as a person and who the people are around them. My thing is this. I have my stance and my views about things. People can listen to my music and understand that if they want to, or if they want to talk to me about it, it's fine. I do have a lot of information. I do a lot of research. I actually go to legitimate sites as well as underground sites, and I gather my information. But at the end of the day, if you think differently than me, I don't hate you. I don't care. Like at the end of the day, you have done your research if you have now i don't have a lot of love for you if you haven't done any research and all you do is turn on tv and listen to fox or seeing that i, I can't right. deal with you then because <laughs> that is pure propaganda getting spewed out from both ends of it but if you're actually doing research and you feel that hey this is good for me this works for me cool i got no problem with it but where i do have an issue with is when we start dividing ourselves when we start allowing the media to divide us when we start allowing those things to happen, we're actually feeding in right what they're giving us to do. And, and we're just pawns. That's all we are. Little pawns. We think we're kings and queens. We're not. We're just pawns. Which is a, a pretty good way to end that segment and se right. segue into. Um, let me preface by saying that we are going to touch on transgenderism. And this is not intended to be an offensive conversation about people who are transitioning one way or the other. Uh, but it is, uh, in, in both of our thoughts, uh, a, 
a component to um, transhumanism as a as a topic, um, and that's that's where we're going to be heading. <laughs> and you know, yeah, if they don't think I'm crazy already. They're going <laughs> to think I'm real crazy after this one. <laughs> so, so transhumanism for for the listeners that don't know what that is and may have not looked at it, looked into it. Um, transhumanism in its, in the bubble that you can, the smallest way you can describe it is either scientific, um, scientific or biological advancement in science that would help further the human existence. Right. It's really a form of, that's a good way to put it, to advance human existence beyond the physical capabilities of staying alive. So essentially you could live on forever through transhumanism or live longer. I know the ultimate goal is to basically have your mind uploaded immortality to where, right. And I think that we start getting down this rabbit hole of where that goes and we could even tie CERN into the hat as well with all of their research about the God particle and particles beyond the God particle. And I won't go into CERN today because that's a five-hour topic on, in and of itself. I encourage any listener to go and do your research about CERN. Don't Google it. Go to DuckDuckGo or something else. You won't find what you're looking for. But go into what they're doing there or what you can find out about what they're doing. There's not much you can. Um, I, I have listened to some guys that are pretty knowledgeable on the subject. So I, I do have some knowledge that's a little more than the average person might get a hold of only because I've listened to some of these guys on podcasts and actually just ran across it. it wasn't, I was looking for it and I ran across it and it really opened my mind to what's going on there but transhumanism is a real thing. Part of what they want to create is an androgynous human being where there's no male or female. You're just essentially a robot that's connected to a hive mind that you're all connected together. I mean, kind of look at it now. We're kind of almost there, right? We've got our hive mind phones that are connected to everybody else's hive mind phone, which is connected to a bigger system inner working system globally. They know where we're at. They know what we're doing. You know, I tell people all the time to freak out about microchips. I was like, well, you got a microchip in your pocket. Like mm -hmm. they know where you're at. They know what you're saying. They track everything you do. That's why I don't give a damn anymore. I just text and say whatever I want. Like they already know. They know Joel Thomas is well, and then, popping his jaws know, off. <laughs> every, every one of these phones nowadays has one right. of the most incredible camera systems on it that, you know, are, I mean, there's literally people in Hollywood who are making movies with iPhones. Right. You know, and so. Well, the, the new 13s, 13 Pro is ridiculous. I mean, it's actually top level quality. I mean, you have cinematic capabilities now yeah. where if you know what you're doing with editing, I mean, there's a lot of people that probably wouldn't know outside of, you know, people that are involved in videography or directing but you could probably put together some pretty solid 
videos and oh, upload sure. them. And a lot of people wouldn't know the difference between yeah. you having that and some of the really expensive lenses that you may buy for your video camera. Oh, for sure. So you've got a, you've got a, an incredibly powerful microchip, microprocessor, computer, right. all the information that you could possibly want or need at any point in your life at your fingertips. You have uh, something that is uh, in probably all, if not at least the, the vast majority, um, capable of facial recognition. Um, so many apps now uh, allow you to uh, use uh, your face to unlock apps, uh, especially if it's your, your banking. Um, you don't even have to enter a password now. You just look at your phone and... You know, split second later, the app opens up and you can access your finances. And so, yeah, (laughs) anything anybody could possibly want to use of yours against you has already been in your pocket for the last five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can guarantee that. And, you know, they, I remember a few months back, they were talking about being able to censor your texts between you and other people through SMS carriers. Uh, certain keywords they would be able to block, which is super dangerous when you start thinking about the actual censorship of texting between someone, not just censoring someone, what they post on a big tech site. You start getting down that road, I mean, really start getting down the censorship road of communism and what they tout as socialism, but really is communism. You get a lot of that going on, too. Well, that's been in uh, use by the NSA and the FBI for years now. You know, that was, right. that was part of uh, being able to uh, find sleeper cells that were in the mm-hmm. United States of terrorists. And, you know, um, there's been a handful of uh, people who have been... Uh, arrested for, um, you know, threatening the lives of, uh, government officials and, and stuff right. like that. And, and those were all found out through the, the scanning of, uh, specific keywords from text right. messages. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there, there's no doubt that, you know, here's one of my, one of my favorite, uh, instances of that. I had, uh, um, my mother, I had bought her a, uh, a fire stick for her TV and um, she's dealing with some dementia issues and she lost her remote for it. And uh, I came into her house and we had a conversation. It's like, well, we got to find your remote. And I started looking around the house. I couldn't find it. And, you know, she, with the dementia, she has no idea where she put it. Right. So I said, well, I'm going to have to order you another one. And, you know, it's going to be a couple of days before you get it. So I left there, went into my house, and uh, did whatever I was doing. Later on that evening, I said, oh, i got to get that ordered for my mom. And I opened up my Amazon uh, app on my phone. And right there at the very beginning on the front page of the Amazon, it said, recommended for you. And the very first photograph was of the remote that I was speaking to her about 
now in her <laughs> in her in her house in her house um as a as a reminder for to help remind her to take her evening pills i have an amazon alexa set up in her kitchen so that right. at 9 p.m it comes on and says it's time for you to take your nighttime pills well i can't tell you how many times when i come in through the garage to walk into her house as soon as i open that door that little orange or yellowish ring at the top of it is lit up. So it hears the wow. door. It hears the door open and it's listening, <laughs> you know, and then I get to my, I get to my place and on, on, uh, on Amazon's the front of the page on my app recommended for you, the fire stick remote. Yeah, they're listening to you. Everything is you that, do is it coincidence? Absolutely not. There is Absolutely no not. way, you know. And it's just, <laughs> it's bizarre, man. It really is. It is, and I think when people start realizing this aspect of it, they're going to start opening their mind to accepting thoughts that are outside of the normal way of thinking. And I think that a lot of people just push it away. They don't want to go down that road. I've got a couple of friends that are highly intelligent, but they'll refuse to look at facts, to use common sense when it comes to going on what's around the, going on in the world around them. Because to them, if they go down that road, they're not coming back. And, and I've had one in particular tell me that I just think it would be dangerous for other people like if I, I was to do that. He's like ex-military and um, very highly intelligent guy, but he does that because he feels like that he would go off the deep end. And I told him, I, like, I understand, but at the same time, you're also doing a disservice to your family and people around you if you don't stand up. You know, a lot of people don't – here's one thing I've noticed about some people that have children or that are – in the older demographic, they just don't care. They're like, I don't care. Like I'm only going to be alive five, 10 years anyway. What does it matter? Well, you should care because you've got kids, you got grandkids. What kind of life are you leaving for them? That's when you need to start caring. I find it fascinating how people are just so complacent with what's going on around them. And it kind of segue into like where we're going with, uh, transvestigations is what they call them. And like you said, we're going to talk about this from an academic standpoint and, I'm going to talk about some of what I think is going on. Um, we're going to tie this into Baphomet, Nephilim, and I know you're very familiar with both of those subjects too. Mm -hmm. And we'll break down how this works with the world elites and how this works in celebrity athletics and what they're trying to accomplish by doing what they do in this aspect. Now, in saying that, I want to preface it with, I don't think every celebrity and every athlete is part of this transvestigation at all. I know some guys get down this rabbit hole and every single celebrity and every single athlete or anybody that's a politician or famous has these earmarks. They call them the 20 identifiers. And if you reach a certain point in the 20 identifiers, then you are of the opposite sex 
And that's what you are. I, I don't think that's true, but I do think there are questions that need to be brought about because when you're talking about the world elites and how they operate and the gods that they worship or God, which trickles down into a demonic, a demonic uh, harem underneath that they are these different gods that you hear throughout history. You, you got to look at that because no matter what you believe, and I say this a million times to people, it doesn't matter what you believe. If they believe it, they'll act on what they believe in. Right. Look throughout history. You know, people go nuts at QAnon for talking about celebrities and elites drinking baby's blood when baby's blood has been a part of ritualistic um, uh, governments for centuries. So it's not something that's that far out of the possibility of thought. You know, people don't want to think about that stuff because it's too hard to think about. But at the end of the day, these people act on what they believe in. They've just gotten better about hiding it. And it's an intricate system, an intricate web of what they do that is deep state and the global tentacles that are have got essentially got their tentacles deep into all governments and entertainment. And people don't understand that entertainment is the ultimate way of subjugating and controlling someone's mind. You put up these idols in front of people, these gods, essentially these demigods that you put in front of people and people worship them. They think they can do no wrong. They think that they are the essence of what they should be. Now, in saying that, Eric, how, what kind of a joke or agenda would it be to push someone to someone, have them worshiping them as a god or an idol, but they weren't what you thought they were? And see, that's where you got to start looking into what these guys like to do, what they like to push. And why? And this, like you said, this ties into the transhumanism because the more we muddle genders, the more we muddle that line, it becomes a point to where we're not anything anymore. We just are of a hive mind. Now, again, I will say we are a free country. Well, we tout ourselves as one. We're moving away from that. But we're a free country. Anyone should be allowed to think the way, the way they want to think, worship the way they want to worship be who they want to be. I don't have an issue with any of that. What I do have an issue with is agendas being pushed and us being told what we need to think, what told what we need to say. That's where you start seeing the lines drawn and things being pushed. So when I start talking about transvestigations and the transgender agenda being pushed, that's a little bit different than people that have their own feelings about who they are or, or whatever. You know, I, again, I don't have an issue with us in this country, people being able to think the way they want to think, but you're going to allow me to think and say the way I want to think as well, even if it, you disagree with it. Because that's that's the problem right now is people aren't allowed to disagree with each other anymore. And, and, and honestly, if you're not allowed to disagree with each other, Eric, where is the place for conversation? Because conversation doesn't exist if we all think the same. It, 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 we're not even allowed to challenge each other's way of thought. So that's where I'm at with it. Um, and we're about to get deep into <laughs> how I think that it goes, the, the, the deep rabbit hole goes with this, 
you know, transgender agenda being pushed by the elites and where that they want to go with this. Again, you prefaced it perfectly before we started with it. This all has to do with transhumanism and androgynistic mindset to where there's no male and female. It's just this, like, we just are. Well, and let me jump, uh, that's let me, scary. That's scary. It is very <laughs> scary. And let me jump back to one thing you said here uh, just briefly uh, about the inability to have conversation. If you can't have two opposing sides to a, a specific topic and have a conversation about it without somebody being, uh, you know, wrong or right or there, there's no middle ground, you can't have a conversation about it and then we'll both walk away being still being friendly. Right. How many people do you see engage in normal conversation these days? You have people who are spending the majority of their day with their heads bent down at a 90 degree angle, looking at this little four inch screen in their hands saying whatever they, their, their thumbs can type out with no consequence They can post whatever they want to post on whatever social media they their flavor of the day is right. without any consequence. They well, can, there's consequences if you don't do what the media is telling you to say. <laughs> you but, get but I guess, there's that consequence. Yeah, well, but I guess, you know, you can dip in and dip out of uh, a conversation that, you know, like something on Facebook, you can, you can jump into uh, a heated discussion Mm-hmm. And you can jump right back out after you spewed your two cents worth. And there's no real cons- consequence to it. And, but it's not a real right. conversation. You're not engaging with somebody else's intellect. Right. You're, you're just, you're just rattling off a bunch of boy. If you know, it's like, it's like when I was a, a young kid and, you know, you get into a pushing contest with somebody and it turns into a, um, you know, a bit of a brawl or whatever. And, and somebody says something and somebody else says something back to the other guy. And then when you get home that night, after you're putting a stake on your eye, cause you got a black eye for opening your mouth, you're like, Oh, <laughs> oh man, I should have said this. I should have said that. Right. Oh, I should have said that. You know, it's like there's the art of communication, the art of conversation is something that's already well into the process of being weaned out of who we are. Right. You know, that's the one thing now at 56 years old, the one thing that I have based. And I hate to, I hate to say this, but it's true. When I talk to younger people, I've spent time being a coach in uh, high school football programs. I've spent time, a lot of time with um, friends of my kids as they were growing up. You know, we had a house that everybody liked to be at, and I liked it that way because my kids were someplace I knew they were safe. I got to interact with and see how the other kids that they were hanging out with at school, how they behaved and what kind of upbringing they were from, you know, making sure that my kids were not surrounded with people that they shouldn't be. And, uh, if, if I talk to a younger person and they cannot carry on a conversation or look at you in the eye 
or give you a proper handshake. Those are huge red flags for me. Right. I don't disagree. And I think that the way that the brainwashing has been going on for decades and we're just now really seeing the past two years, like how long we've been brainwashed, how easy it is to manipulate people into doing whatever you tell them to do without really questioning anything. Um, I will say this, though. There's been a huge backlash in the past year and a half, two years from people that were either already awake or woke up because of things going on around them. So I do think there's a huge contingent of people that are pushing back against the narrative, the many narratives that are going on right now. Cause not just one. I know a lot of people get focused on one or two big ones right now, but there's a lot going on that people aren't even aware of that are happening overseas, um, that are going on. But I do agree with you. It's the gen, it's the generational breakdown, right? So they've, they started with brainwashing years ago. They were able to slowly, but surely tap it down. A lot of it's in the educational system. I, I know you and I've talked about it several times mm-hmm. when you control the educational system, you can control the minds of the youth coming up. So regardless if you are a good parent and you you're a good parent and you are building a great system around your kid, it doesn't matter because in the educational system, they constantly brainwash those children. So you're actually having to combat a lot of what they're seeing anywhere from five to seven hours a day. So uh, as a parent, I guess you need to try to build a good foundation there uh, and try to build those aspects, but it's, it's tough because there has been generational brainwashing going on for a long time. And how does this all, how does this all tie in with the, uh, um, transhumanism, so if you've, and you're old enough to know how things have been going. So if you notice throughout decades, the slow acceptance of different things. Mm-hmm. So they push certain agendas, they push certain things, um, and they do it in a way that it's almost force fed to you, to where you have to think this way or you're an outcast or you are unaccepting of people of different ways of thinking or being. And that's tough when you're a kid coming up in an educational system and you're being force fed certain things, whether it be race, gender or whatever else. And you're not allowed to think the way you want to think, but you're being force fed a certain way. And if you don't think that way, you're not accepted by your peers, you're not accepted by the teachers that are in front of you. Hell, you may even get kicked out of school. So those aspects is it's tough because on the one hand, I think that we should be very, Accepting a people in the sense of, from my aspect, you should love everybody. Like that's, that's how I think because people are people, no matter what you think about their decisions. Right. So you need to be able to accept people. I have a hard time with people that immediately chop people off at the knees because well they're different than me and I'm not even giving them a chance. Well, you know what? You can still disagree with things that they do, but that doesn't mean you have to be hateful to them or not accept them as a friend. I, I, I find that fascinating that people do that, especially when you start getting to the religious aspect of how people 
fight um, people that are different than them. Because, and this is touchy too, but in the sense of, if you look at, we'll just take the Bible for instance, if you look at Jesus in the Bible, Jesus didn't hang out with the most pious, the most religious, none of that, right? He actually hung out with the people that would be despised, mm -hmm. right? That that was kind of his whole, that was his whole thing. And I, I find it fascinating, the, the so-called followers of him, how they absolutely don't do any of that at all. Like they, they're complete opposite of that. And they make this huge deal about it. Again, I, I hold fast to your beliefs and stand up for what you believe in. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and I have a, on the flip side, I have an issue with people that try to tell those people how to think and how to believe, because that's not right either. They can think differently than you. They don't have to, if they're not bothering you, what does it matter? It goes vice versa. So the cancel culture culture goes both ways too. It, it, it goes a million different aspects. Again, it was created to create division among division among division among division. So we don't have any conversation. We just hate each other. So for me, my goal in life is to promote truth, drop seeds to people. If they grow, they come and ask me more questions. I can give them the answers, at least the stuff that I know, because I'm constantly learning. So I don't have all the answers. I'm still learning answers every day. So, in that in that vein of that thought, again, we preface this whole thing with this is all academic and we're going to go into the aspect of where the elites are going with this, what their agenda is and how they're going to operate. And a lot of this came with Baphomet and who he is as an entity and what bodies worshiped him and still worship him and what their ultimate goal is to move us to this transhumanism that, makes us an organism of the system, essentially. Now, Baphomet. Baphomet has been around for a long time. Uh, well, 19th century is when really the name Baphomet came into, I guess, English us usage and... More so, that in, was, more so in the occult trap. Right. So, correct. Exactly. Yeah. Because correct. Because, so, go ahead. You no, know, you're fine. I was going to say that you know early transcripts. You know, it was really the Knights Templars where people go to when they start talking about how Baphomet came around. You know, were they worshippers of Baphomet? You know, what was their agenda with Baphomet. I mean, a lot of this happened around the first crusade, um, with the Turks. So, uh, they basically said the Turks were calling loudly upon Baphomet and that's kind of where that whole thing came from. And then, uh, what was it? Philip the fourth of France had the Templars arrested and he said that they were worshiping Baphomet and then also it trickled into Freemasonry as well with the Baphomet agenda. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, they know that I'm a former Freemason. So I was a part of that culture for a while. I'm not saying I was like 
super high up and I was privy to all of the things going on in Freemasonry, but I was, I did have access to documents and things that were, uh, that did let me know that this isn't just what they tap themselves to be a, a, a fraternity that helps people. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot of good comes out of it. And I want to say that too. There's a lot of good people that are part of Freemasonry too. Um, most of them, I'd say 90%, maybe more have no idea what's going on in Freemasonry. I actively went into Freemasonry knowing like what they were a part of. And I wanted that power. And we won't go into that whole string of thought here today. Cause I did a podcast about that with Tony on the confessional, but I encourage people to listen to that on his members only site. If they want to hear me talk more about demonic entities that I spoke with about what Freemasonry is, or at least as much as of, of it as I can talk about, because I do keep certain things close to the vest because even though I stepped away from it, um, there are certain things that I, I won't discuss, but it is a real thing. They, and a lot, it's so funny. Uh, Freemasons will come to me and say, you don't know what you're talking about. I was Freemason. I do know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about because you get into it thinking it's a brotherhood and you're helping people and whoop de doo We just did a fish fry and we had a bunch of people come out and we gave them all these plates and we're doing great for the community. You're not that high up, bud. Like you, you got in, you're a fraternity member and you really don't know what's going on. Talk to the guys that are up in degrees, 33rd and beyond. And, and then come talk to me. If you're one of those guys, you're probably not talking to me anyway, cause you know, and you don't want to have that conversation. With me. <laughs> so, that's a fact. There are entities that are worshipped as a part of that body. Uh, I I absolutely believe the Templars, no matter what they say, worship Baphomet, or at least a version of it, because they were kind of the the assassins of the church. They were the they were like the first black you, ops, of, right? Of, and yeah. exactly that you knew of in history. Um, obviously, we've got plenty of black ops groups probably throughout history um, in different cultures, but they were kind of like the real popular. You saw them and you were like, man, these guys are, you know, really cool. They're, oh my God. But you didn't know what they did. They just look cool, but you knew they were up to something. They, you know, they, they were pretty popular, but they were hidden. And in doing that, there's so many things about the Templars that people have, studied about have researched about that there's so many differing ideas about the templar so we don't actually know everything about the Templar. we only know what they want us to know about them but i do believe that there is a huge demonic aspect and satanic undertones with the templars and there so was a, i think that and and there was an inquisition of the templars in the early 1300s there they were they were called under fire for, that was Philip the Fourth of France, and mm -hmm. he had them all arrested, and he accused them of heretical acts and worship. He actually called them out for worshiping Baphomet, which was part of that whole um, that whole thing. I among find it among funny other too, things, among other things, right? Um, uh, homosexual relationships, um, urinating and defecating on uh, the cross, um, right? And but when they were called, when they were called out during this inquisition, 
as to describe Baphomet. Um, many of their many of their descriptions of Baphomet were inconsistent. Right. They they, they did not describe the same thing all the time. And right. That, and that, I think the, that called into question the validity behind. True. Now, I will say this on the flip side, just to me understanding how, at least in my finite mind, how demonic entities work. They don't always present themselves the same way to everybody. So that could be part mm, of why they were point. saying different uh, versions of him. Now, I will say the sabbatic goat really came later. About the um, mid-1800s, mid-1850s, mid Right, so that, that like whole that. version that we see now um, with, you know, the goat, um, you know, that's trans, that has the women's chest, uh, the male features, which we're moving into that transvestigation stuff where ultimately that, God is what they want to emulate the elites to them becoming that perfect body of male and female is mixed with animal mixed with animal is a part of that structure. So when you start getting down the transvestigation whole of celebrities, politicians, athletes that are touted as male or touted as female, but are actually the opposite gender. What I want to say is a part of this, the theory is that they are a part of this elite system and they are actually from birth morphed into this. So it's not like they're, they get to a certain age, like, well, you're going to be this now. No, they're actually fed the hormones They're They've done the changes. They, become this so you never know it's really almost a it's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down i know some guys go way too far with it like again some people are all these celebrities are this it's not true that takes away way human ability to create for themselves that's a god-given ability um that also takes away from our own intelligence and our own will to make for ourselves so to think that that's the case would say that none of us have a chance in life at all. We're never going to get anywhere in life. We're never going to do anything. That's just angry and bitter people that go down that road (laughs) that they never made it in something. So they're going to say that everybody's something because that's the only reason they could have made it over them. So I don't buy that at all, but I do buy the fact that I think there are some of these transhumans, I guess, in a sense, that are put in front of our faces that you would never know were the opposite because that's part of the global elite game, the laugh at you. Have you worshiping these quote-unquote idols as gods to you that you want to emulate? And think about it. If you're emulating this man as a man or emulating this female as a female and they were the opposite, that's the ultimate deception. checkmate. Yeah, the ultimate deception. And I think that's when you start dealing with demonic entities, you start dealing with Lucifer, Luciferianism, all of that, that's a huge part of it. It's all about deception. The more deception, the better. The more that they can control you with the deception that you put in front of you. Well, so much what you're describing reminds me of what takes place 
pre-Bible. Yeah. Uh, well, well I, I know for me, I can talk about even like pre-flood. If we're talking about the and that's, Bible. That's what I'm talking about. When those and the uh, the sons of God mm-hmm. were cast out and um, took up with daughters of man, right? Which they talk about in the book of Enoch. Um, this is where we start tapping into the Nephilim theory of where transhumanism is going to too. So, the fallen angels. There was a group of them. It wasn't all the fallen angels, but there was a group that made a pact that they were going to lay with the daughters of men. And when they did, they created these giants, these Nephilim, which were essentially God tier humans. I I know some reports have touted the original Nephilim to be anywhere from 30 to 50 feet tall and a basketball post length wide. So we're talking, you know, 10, 15 feet wide to 30 to 50 feet tall. So if these beings walk the earth next to ordinary humans, I mean, you would consider them demigods or, you know, what some cultures are called titans. Um, If you look at every culture throughout history and religions, they all talk about giants. They all talk about these Nephilim. So you can't discount it, and there's been too many skeletal structures discovered, too many accounts of even now people running into giants in remote places. I do think the Nephilim were absolutely real, and I think that they did interbreed in with humans, and I think even after the original fallen angels bred with the humans, created the Nephilim, uh, according to the Bible, you know, God threw them into a, an abyss, locked them away. Um, I could even circle back to CERN and what they're doing over there, trying to unlock portals. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'll let the listeners go down that rabbit hole. But that since happened. You, since, and, since you brought that up, the one thing I will say about CERN is if you have any interest in it, look into it and look at the statue that India gave CERN it's it's a statue of Shiva right and Shiva is known as the destroyer right and there's uh, there's so much (laughs) going down we get a CERN rabbit hole Uh, there's a temple located just a few miles away from CERN which I find fascinating too. And they say it's quote unquote, just a coincidence. (laughs) So again, I'll let people go down that road and follow down that path. We won't get too deep down CERN today, but there's a lot going on with that, especially when you talk to portals being open and what kind of portal are they trying to open down there? Uh, And why are you, why are you looking for the God particle? Right. And I think that also ties into transhumanism too. Because if you find a certain particle that would enhance humans to godlike ability, I think that's what they're searching for. They're probably not too far away from it. And we'll tie this back into pre-flood. There is the there is a theory among truthers that think that technology before the flood was actually greater than technology now. Mm-hmm. So 
when you start talking about mythical creatures, because every culture talks about it. Bible talks about it. Um, uh, Chinese culture talks about it. Indian culture talks about it. I mean, even Native Americans, you can look on uh, cave walls and see fascinating creatures. We could go. We could go to the gambit here, but with these mixes of humanoid um, animal creatures, were throughout history. You know, when we start talking about um, griffins, unicorns, mermaids, centaurs, werewolves. Sphinxes, there you go, centaurs. A lot of these basilisks, when you start talking about these mythical creatures, there's just too much that keeps popping up to just make it a fantasy. Oh, they thought this was something, and this is really what it was. Well, no, it just keeps coming up. I, I I think those things existed, and I think part of the issue pre-flood was they had gotten technology and it's just a theory, and I'm not saying it's something that I'm like wholeheartedly bought into, but I do like some of the aspects of the theory of technology being to a point to where they were mixing DNA, they were creating these creatures. I also think fallen angels were involved with this. Um, there, there has been talks of the fallen angels laying with beasts as well, and that could create uh, hybrids. Uh, also, we can even get down that rabbit hole where Bigfoot comes from, Dogman comes from, uh, Chupacabra. Uh, I do feel like there's a, a DNA splicing government part that's involved with some of that, but I do think there's a spiritual part of it too. So I, I think there's a definitely a uh, thought that these creatures were created from fallen angels. And think about it, if this was pre-flood and, this, and the world got to a point to where humans were becoming godlike, and God was like, no, nah, I'm not having that. Like, whoop, like, you know, and I think that's kind of where we're getting to now, to where we're almost at that precipice, almost at that point of that apocalyptic point to where we are to that point where we're gods. We're better than anything that created us. And we're going to we're going to be better than all that. And I think that's where Baphomet comes into. I think that's where the transgender movement comes into as far as the agenda pushed, because if we're not male or female, we're just an entity that's loaded up to a hive mind that's connected to this ultimate source. We're all gods. We live forever. We do it on our own. We don't need any help. Yeah, you might have created us, but we do whatever we want to do. That's when we start getting into dangerous, dangerous territory, and I think that's what we're tapping into right now. Well, and if you follow the Bible, that's where God uh, decided to lay waste to all those uh, abominations with the flood. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and has this been a, since post flood, has this been a gradual build up to uh, a, a complete 360 degree going back and doing exactly the same thing? Yeah. I think it goes back to the old saying history repeats itself, right? <laughs> so you start looking at, I mean, look at the look at the monuments that have been built, right? Um, that we can't explain, that we can't build today. Pyramids, massive structures that we look at now that have been built. I know some theories are that Nephilim, the giants, helped build these, which would make sense if we had massive giants moving around, rocks building pyramids. That's that's a good theory. Some people think that. 
fallen angels helped, which, you know, they're building monuments to themselves because they are gods. You think about it, they, fallen angels are gods of these different cultures and, and, and different religions. They, they, they become these gods, Baphomet, uh, Pan, we can go down the list. So you've got these gods, and then if they intermingle with humans, they create what they call demigods. So these are your fascinating humans that are faster than everybody else, stronger than everybody else, bigger than everybody else. Um, that's where people get these other godlike entities um, in their minds from history. So I think you've got a lot of that going on, plus you got the whole animal aspect, and that's where I get deep with the cryptids and where they come from. I do think that there's government involvement, absolutely. But I do think, though, that Nephilim are at the center of what is going on as far as a movement goes. I know a lot of people like to attribute the 13 bloodlines to reptilians, but I actually tend to go down the theory of the 13 bloodlines are an actual bloodline from the Nephilim, that that is what the 13 bloodlines are. That's the elite of elites that you don't know their names that run this world that they come from because that's where they have this superior God complex to everyone else. Yeah. We're smarter than you. We're better than you. Our bloodline is of gods essentially. And if you even attribute back to WikiLeaks with Hillary Clinton, she talks about reviving the Nephilim and Gilgamesh. Um, She brings it up in an email. So these are things that these leaks talk about. They go down these, they go down these holes. They're all about recreating, um, this Nephilim bloodline, which exists, but I do feel like that Nephilim in the end days, I think we're going to start seeing, and I think we already are now fantastical creatures that are being spotted more and more by people. UFOs sightings are way on the uptick where it's not even a thought for someone to say, I saw a UFO. Nobody looks at them crazy anymore. No. Even your most staunchest, uh, people against UFOs wouldn't even look at somebody that crazy anymore because they've allowed it to hit the mainstream so hard that people can wrap their minds around it. So what to say in 10, 15 years, people aren't wrapping their minds around giants and, Oh, Bigfoot exists. We've seen him. He walks around. We know, you know, the theory of quantum Bigfoot moving in and out of reality. That's why he moves so fast. He's able to, you know, hide, the way he does. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it that I think we get, we can't discount the spiritual aspect of things that are going on around us because we do all feel it, the heaviness on this earth right now, that's been more so than any other time in history. Um, you know, at least for, you know, my time period and I'm seeing it happen. I'm watching all the pieces moving together, but watch everything else spiritually going on around you. I mean, we're just seeing, I mean, the sightings of Bigfoot, the sightings of Dogman, the sightings of, of all of these cryptids have shot through the roof. You know, like you said, shows everywhere about it. We've got, you know, it's, I could watch 15 different shows about UFOs today if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And still not even tap into all the shows that are made about UFOs. Not even close. So they are prepping us for these things to be just a part of society. And where was that out before the flood? The same aspect of where these things were a part of society. These things were a part of, it was probably nothing to see a Griffin back then. 
flying. It was, it was or it being a protector of a of a kingdom. You it, know what I mean? It was the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. It, it was it was uh, Middle Earth. It was the Hobbits. It was, I mean, the the bizarre uh, concoction of, of of creatures and man was. I don't know that you can even wrap your head around what that must have been like at that time. And it's, it's interesting that you know you talk about the specific bloodline and when you when you talk about the the United States and and the elitist of the United States you know the bloodlines mm-hmm. are are still pretty pure um but when you talk about keeping the bloodlines pure that that ultimately leads back to um Europe and the royals mm-hmm. that was a very important thing for the royal families to keep their bloodlines pure and, and and something that's very interesting is that very much many of those uh, family bloodlines are RH negative. Now, RH negative blood type is extremely rare. And they don't really know where it came from. Out of better than 600 different primate species, and subspecies throughout the world, which we were we are a part of, humans are a part of that. Right. Um, there is no naturally occurring Rh negative in those primate species. Yet, a segment of our mankind has Rh negative. Right, and, and they do and, say it's like a. It, it, well, they tell it's like a. It's a protein that's on the surface of red blood cells right so it, it creates it's almost like it's a, a separate entity but that's a part of your blood type right. which when you really start thinking about it you know, wh- where did that come from right. and I agree with you where did it come from and what is it its significance going forward what, what's going to happen that taps into that if you have that now if, or if it, there's, yeah. there's been studies I don't know how critical they are I don't know how well done they were but some mm-hmm. of the, these are some of the things some of the 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 uh, attributes of people that have rh negative blood include much higher iq a higher sensitivity in their vision a substantially lower body temperature a much higher high a much higher blood pressure mm-hmm an increased occurrence of psychic or intuitive abilities. They have blue, green, hazel, red, blue, green, uh, or hazel eyes, reddish hair, or some facet of being in that the reddish colored hair. And they're also increased sensitivity to heat and sunlight. In some cases, they have more vertebrae in their backs than, than typical humans do. Right. That's a, that's a very fascinating, uh, thing to think about. I, I'd love to strap up about five elites and get their blood types and see if it, it coincides with that <laughs> for sure. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's so many things when it comes to 
the scientific aspect in, in, in congruence with the spiritual aspect. I think you can't break away. And I find, I, I always find it hilarious how science tries to break away from religion, but yet constantly gets caught up in it. I've, you know, it's here's CERN and we're going back to them again, who touts itself as purely scientific quantum physics, but yet everything they do is a ritual or what they have as statues around them or symbols. It's all, it's all real ritualistic. If you follow any of the medical fields, it's the same thing. All their symbols are ritualistic. They're tied into occultism. They're tied into every aspect of spirituality. So you can't sit there and look at me and say, well, science says this, I'm going to believe it. Well, that's not true because they are absolutely religious. This is a different religion. And I think that ties into what you just said about RH negative. A lot of these things, we're only given pieces of the information. We have to try to like find other pieces to try to derive what the answer is. Um, we get into the Nephilim bloodlines. We start talking about how superior they were. Well, this is when we start getting into athletics and how we see certain athletes are just shoulders and necks above other people. And it will tie this back into transgender agenda and transhumanism. So a lot of people have a tough time believing this part of it, but they'll show a male athlete, and they'll say, well, actually, originally, this was a female. And you look at him like, this, this guy's 6'7", 6'8", 260, fast, strong. When I started going down this rabbit hole, it blew my mind into thinking that, well, this is Nephilim DNA. This is created as part of the elites. So even if it, if it was a switch from a gender they would have the abilities of a Nephilim. They would still be much stronger, faster, and more intelligent than the average human, whether they were male or female. So that was a fascinating aspect too. Again, I don't think all athletes are Nephilim, but I, I do think that when you start looking at top tier athletes, when you looked at even in ancient times with gladiator events and all of these wild stories of guys that were just superior would take out, you know, army 50 men by himself. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and one of the other traits, uh, that's, that's talked about as far as these giants were concerned was, um, the sixth finger and sixth toe having right. six digits. And, uh, <laughs> This uh, ah, this this hole is is getting deep, but you know, just just prior to our our conversation starting today, I had uh, college football on, and maybe five six minutes before our phone call started, um, I still had the the volume on the TV, and they were talking about a specific football player for a unnamed uh, college football team who has uh, six six fingers and he's he's a receiver (laughs) he's a receiver for this team and they were talking about whether or not that made his uh uh, his ability to catch the ball 
any better. Um, you know, if this, if this RH negative bloodline, um, which some theorize indicate non-human traits in their genetic makeup, um, is that RH negative? Is it, is that protein that, that attaches? Is that a remnant of the, the Nephilim bloodline? Right. Or is it DNA or is it DNA extracted from Nephilim bloodline they've had for centuries that they do inject people with too? I mean, there's so many different aspects of it. I think they want to recreate, um, the actual Nephilim for sure, even if they're part of the bloodline. I mean, you, you could be, you could be part of the Nephilim bloodline, but you're so far down the bloodline. You know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. not, you're not a 30 foot tall giant. Now you've got red hair, don't you? I do. Yeah. What color so, are uh, your eyes? Uh, they are blue green. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading your mind right now <laughs> as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Changed my name to Nephilim Thomas. <laughs> um, and that, did that, you just that, did you just bring up Hermes? Did you bring up Hermes uh, just a second ago? No, I don't believe. So. I don't know if I, I, I could have swore that you brought up Hermes because it made my mind think about. Um, we were talking about Baphomet mm. and how that, if you notice his hands hand position, was the famous as above so below. Mm-hmm. And the thought process was that Hermes, the thrice greatest, found the Emerald Tablet, which had this saying on it. Um, he found it in like a beneath, um, if I'm correct, uh, it was, uh, well, he wrote it. And they found it underneath his um, vault. It was on, it, it, the corpse was holding it on a golden throne. Um, there's a lot of different theories about where this tablet came from, um, but they actually tout it as being like a much older Greek source. But uh, I I thought you brought up Hermes, and I thought that was fascinating because like the Hermes, the thrice greatest, was actually a combination of the god Hermes and then uh, Thoth, which is an Egyptian god. So they it was the combination of the two, which I think kind of ties into this whole like Nephilim part as well. So a lot of these things, even with Baphomet tied back into these gods, these Titans, these great men that were bigger and, 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 and just more, uh, what's the word? They were bigger than life mm-hmm. compared to everyone else around them. And many, many cultures throughout the world have stories of these, these larger than life beings, you know, the Greeks had theirs, the, the, uh, the Norse, uh, the Vikings, they had theirs. Um, they they permeate history. All, all cultures have some sort of reference to these extraordinarily large, powerful beings. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's, I think we're going to see, I think we already see it now. I do think there are athletes and I, and I really call it gladiatorism really when you start looking at 
some of the athletes on this earth, um, even throughout history that were just in a kind of league of their own. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not taking away from human ability and human drive either. Um, I don't want to ever do that because I think that we were put on this earth and created to, you know, be at a high level. But again, when you're talking, if we're going down this rabbit hole of Nephilim fallen angels and abilities that are unexplainable, you got to throw that in the mix as something that's so far down the bloodline, but still part of a bloodline of Nephilim. They would probably be a little bit shoulders and necks above just the average human abilities. You know, and I, I look at it and it's, it, it's interesting, you know, this, this whole thing with Baphomet, you know, um, pretty much the earliest uh, recorded and in recorded history of this is, you know, back with the, the Templars and stuff in the, uh, during the crusades in the 13, early 1300s. And then uh, it wasn't until mid 1800s that uh, I don't remember what, I think the light, the guy's, the artist's last name was Levi I, Levy or Levi um, when he drew the sabbatic goat and, you know, the sabbatic goat, right. when we, when we say the word sabbatic goat, it is exactly what many of you probably think is a, is a representation of what you would see a Luciferian or satanic culture using as, you know, the goat head with a, a human torso, um, very much shoulders and arms that look like a man, but yet women's breasts. And then from the waist down again, goat, um, but, you know, being half, half human, half animal, half male, half female, um, the, the, the arms in a one being upright and one being, uh, down indicating, you know, the, uh, the difference between good and evil. And, uh, you know, his, his whole intention behind drawing that picture was, uh, that Baphomet represents the transition that should result in perfect social order. Mm-hmm. We're talking about somebody who, who envisioned this in 1850s. <laughs> right. And uh, who gave him that knowledge or who, or what pushed him to quote unquote, open his mind up to that thought process. I mean, obviously he had, people before him or at least documents or people around him that had those similar thoughts. But I definitely think he was linked up to something in the spiritual aspect that was driving him just like Aleister Crowley was driven to write the book of the law by an entity that looks very much like a gray alien that we would consider Mm -hmm. a gray alien now. Um, You know, I find it fascinating how this all ties together. Even aliens tie into this whole thing of, 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 of this, if you, if you've heard of a story in, I believe it's uh, Scottish culture, Irish culture, don't quote me on that, but I, I do know I've heard the story of a fairy that looked very similar to a gray alien that was abducting people and then bringing them back after a day or two. And they were being like subjected to, uh, sexual experiments, which I find funny because they actually were gray. They were small and they looked very much like what people call aliens now. But a lot of the, anytime you hear about aliens, gray aliens, even reptilians, a lot of times reptilians are on the scene when gray aliens are there. They're all kind of tied in together with 
everything else that's occultic. Um, I'm not saying that aliens don't exist or there's not, it's a vast universe, but what I do find fascinating is how that they are constantly tied into somewhat of an agenda as well. So I'm not saying necessarily nefarious in all cases, but there just seems to be this common denominator when you're dealing with uh, Lucifer, the God of light, you know, in a different form, maybe Baphomet, and you're talking about these other creatures, whether aliens or whether they're uh, some sort of cryptid that seems like it has spiritual proclivities. I think it just starts, you start looking at the world differently and how it all interconnects and ties together. And what is your place in this? You know, that's what you got to start figuring out. What's your place in this? Where's my stance in this? Am I going to be part of what I would consider good or part of what I consider evil? And I think that's, I'm going to go back to the Baphomet and Sabbatic Goat. I think part of that uh, deception is teaching people that there is no good and there is no evil. It, it's just what you want it to be. Um, you know, like Aleister Crowley said, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. And that is a saying that so many celebrities, so many musicians have adhered to. And even, and even, um, politicians. I mean, you'll see them wearing shirts that say it. And I just, I, Jay-Z was wearing a shirt 10 years ago that said it. And I just found it fascinating. I mean, a lot of people, some people spotted it out for sure, but I just found it fascinating. A lot of people just saw it and like, Oh, that's cool. Sure. That's cool saying. They don't even have any idea where it came from, who said it, who at one point was touted as the most evil man on the planet. Um, but these, I mean, he's worshiped by countless musicians, celebrities, as being able to tap into this world of doing what thou wilt. There is no consequence for what you do. It is just what you want to do. And when you live like that, I mean, and especially if you're in a position of elitism, I mean, the, the harm that you can do to people, the harm that you would do, would do to people, what life you would live waking up that, there's no right or wrong. It's whatever I want it to be. I step outside of this house. I have the money to do it. I do whatever I want. And there is no consequences. I think there's ultimately consequences. Nor is there any morality. There's no morality either. There is none. And that is the essence of what Baphomet has always created is this convergence of ideas into there not being really any idea if that makes any sense. It's basically there is no moral, there is no right, there is no wrong, there is just what you want it to be, and that ties back into what we were talking about, the transvestigations, transgender agenda that they push in saying that we're not anything. We are just one of the whole, and that is what we were always meant to be, and when we link up to that, then we are essentially God. Well, you know, you've you've talked about the the physical manifestations of transhumanism. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with the the transitioning from one one aspect of uh, gender to the other. But you know, nowadays, uh, just fairly recently in the last what, year, maybe eighteen months, um, another aspect of it has has come to light. And um, you know, I I. I struggle to bring this up because I, 
personally am a fanboy of uh, Elon Musk and what he's <clears throat> what he's done with the uh, SpaceX program and you know wanting to put out uh, the satellite system so that everybody throughout the world has uh, the ability for internet and uh, um, you know his brilliant ideas of drilling tunnels underneath LA so that uh, it, it helps with the uh, uh, traffic congestion and stuff like that. There's already but, tunnels under LA. But, <laughs> but, well, yeah, but these, these tunnels are just for cars. <laughs> um, hey, side note before you get going, I know you've heard of the LA times when they came out with uh, the, uh, uh, what was it? The article that they came out with years ago, 1934, I think it was with the lizard people under the catacombs under LA, mm-hmm. yep. the uh, geologist that I, I find it fascinating. That was actually published in the LA times, but it was quickly covered up. But apparently, you know, he was doing, uh, he was a geophysicist and he was mining around there and apparently ran up on these catacombs and, there were golden tablets in these lizard people that brought him in with other people. And he came out and, the, and it was so compelling that the LA times actually put it out as a story. You can actually find the original, uh, you can even Google it. You could look it up online and just, I guess look up lizard people in LA times, but you'll find an actual, the article that they wrote in the LA times about this, uh, which I just find there's so many little nuggets like this throughout history where I feel like they've been telling us all along what's going on. But, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt there. When no, you you're said, fine. uh, building, building the tunnels under LA. I was like, well, there's plenty of tunnels underneath the whole world. I'm a yeah, huge believer. And, and I, had, I, uh, I had completely, completely forgot but, about that article. It's been years yeah. since I've seen it, but yeah. And I do lend to the theory of there being hollow earth and there being all kind of stuff under there. We go down the, uh, Admiral Byrd route too, and all the stuff he saw, but yeah, I, I do find all that stuff fascinating, but yeah, I almost feel like that Elon's like, well, I don't have to build them. They're already there, but I'll say that I build them. <laughs> I'll pave them. I'll pave them. Right. And we'll call them roads. I'll pave them. I'll make it, I'll make it look cooler. I'll do my uh, Tesla thing to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the, the, what I was getting at with, uh, with Musk is, is his, uh, neural link. You oh, know, yeah. and scary. Yeah, it's it's really scary. And I don't know who in their right mind would want that in their head. I certainly um, wouldn't. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the the people who are interested in the power grab and, and wanting to be, yeah. you know, the the top echelon of, of everyone in the world would, would want that and well, openly accept it. it. But, you know, the to listen to him when he talks about the creation of this neural link. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get wanting to go back into space. I get the idea behind us possibly having to leave this earth because we've jacked it up so badly that we'll have to go someplace else. So I, I get his thought process on, on those things. And should we go to Mars and, you know, um, but when, when you talk about putting something in your head that, that takes over the, uh, the thought process and, and, and gives you instantaneous, uh, unlimited inf- information, uh, right. With just a thought. Um, and then when you hear him talk about why he's doing it and there's really no, it's, 
you know, he's an awkward guy anyway with, with his presence because he's, you know, he's, he's on the spectrum of some, at some point. Um, but when you see him in a conversation and you kind of see him look up and off into space, it's like he's, it's like he's rattling through his, uh, his brain trying to retrieve the information that, you know, he's just flipping pages till he gets to what, what it is he's looking for. And, um, yeah, I don't, when he talks about creating this thing, there's, there's no real, I haven't heard any real good reason why he feels it's necessary to do this other than the fact that he's doing it because he can. Well, I think he's found a way to tout it being a good thing. I think what his primary objective, at least what he's pushing out there to make it seem okay, is that it would be good for people that are, in a paralyzed state or can't speak anymore Mm -hmm. that are able to use that neural link to speak to family members or people in a way that they can communicate. So I I think that that was what he originally put it out as if I remember correctly, but I'll say this. um, And this is my, my personal thoughts on Elon Musk. And I know this is going to, piss people off because people love Elon and you think Elon's like the savior for the millennial generation and he's against the system, but you're not that rich if you're not part of the system. And I think that he is absolutely embedded in the system. He is just kind of the psyop or the, uh, I guess is the best word for it. He's, he's basically there to, lead people down this path of thinking that he's, you know, he's cool. Mm -hmm. He's all about space. He's all about the little man. And that's how it comes out. And I know a lot of people close to me that are huge Elon fans or were, and I, I put up red flags on them early. I was like, I'm not really an Elon fan. Um, again, as far as a likability aspect, if I'm looking at him just purely as an entertainer and like, and I, like I said, the world's a stage. So I look at everybody as an entertainer. Uh, I think he's a great entertainer. I think he gets on Joe Rogan, he gets high and everybody loves him. And it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, look at this billionaire man. All he does is get high all day and creates all these great ideas, but that's not necessarily the case. He's got an agenda. He's just working the other angle. So, you know, where he'll get on there and make fun of, Jeff Bezos trolls him for being number two um, richest man in the world. And, you know, he's the richest now and they do all this stuff and everybody applauds him. And he starts talking about Dogecoin and how you need to get that. And he's all about crypto and just, he feeds, he feeds transhumanism more than anybody I've seen right now. Like he absolutely embodies the essence of what transhumanism is moving towards. And he is kind of their poster boy because he's going to make it look cool. He's going to make it look awesome. He's going to make it be like, man, this Neuralink's going to be great. You guys don't even know like what you're going to be able to do with this Neuralink. You don't know what you're going to be able to do with this chip. You don't know. And that's the scary thing is when people start accepting things that normally they wouldn't accept, but he's a God. He, he is a idol that they look towards and they want to be like, they want to emulate. And that's important to them because they got to have people like that. I I feel like most people do. I really got away from that years ago, even before my real turn into being a truther and creating music that I do now and how I think. 
but I always thought in that aspect of, I got to a point where like, I even stopped listening to certain musicians I really liked because I didn't want to sound like them. I didn't want to emulate them. And really I just started reading more, reading more books, getting more knowledge about subjects and things and creating my own thought process. Cause I think that's important. Um, I do agree with you though. Elon's got a very high likability factor. And, but I think that's, he needs to, you can't hate all the people that have money, right? You got to be able to like some of them. He's one of those guys. He makes a flamethrower. Oh, absolutely. He's cool. Everything, everything about him is he's, he's, he is exuding an unusual coolness that, you know, you don't see in anybody else. Right. And now I will say this though, and this is a whole other rabbit hole and people have fun with that on your own, but he's not the richest man in the world. There are families that are worth trillions that have been around for a long time. And we just they only never put hear these, about them. Yeah. Right. They only put guys like him and Gates and Soros and all of these names in front of you because you got to have idols to look at that are the richest quote unquote in the world. They're, they're pennies compared to the elite families. And I would even say the 13 bloodlines, the families that have trillion these guys are trillionaires they, when they step onto a scene money isn't even money anymore the world is their country they don't live in a country they they live this is their playground they do whatever they want and really when you look at guys like elon gates um you look at um, any of the top 10 50 whatever billionaires out there they're just the puppets they do what these guys tell them to do they keep their money, they live their life, and they create for them. Not that these guys aren't very intelligent, not that they're not very smart. A lot of these guys are spotted out at a very young age as being something they can use as a tool. Because if they see this guy with high IQ that's able to create, they don't want him creating on his own. No, oh, no, no, you got to control that. So you offer them whatever you can. And generally speaking, a guy that has you know, a high IQ that's created something big. If they're offered billions and like, Hey, listen, we're going to put you in an elite status. You're going to be here the rest of your life. We just need you to push what we want you to push. You're still going to be able to do kind of what you want to do as long as you play within our ballpark. And I think that's when you look at the top 10 Forbes, richest people on earth and on down, that's the world that they play in. They're not doing whatever they want to do. They do what they are told to do as part of the system. Again, I think they believe in the system. A lot of them do for sure. Like they absolutely believe in the system and they're, you know, helping to create for the system. But I think people get way too caught up in celebrities, way too caught up in, you know, who's got this, who's got that. I want to be like this. Um, again, look at things that people create and, and you, and you may want to create for yourself. That's good, but don't get so caught up in what they're doing. Cause like you said, here comes Elon Musk around the back door. Like, Hey, you should pop this in your head. You need to do this or this needs to happen. And you're so sold on him. And you think he's, you know, God's get the technology that you take it. And, and before you know it, you're just linking up. You're, you're, you, you yourself are a neuro link at that point. Becoming part of the hive. Right. Yeah, not for me, man. I mean, I the guy's enjoyable to watch, and he does some really cool shit. But I don't. Uh, I'm not putting anything in my head. Right, and, and I think that's when you need to start really looking at humanity and where we're going right now. 
And I know we jumped down a million different holes on this conversation today, which I knew we would. <laughs> and uh, I, I do that to plant seeds, though, Eric. I want people to do research on their own. I'm here to give some information that I know, but I don't know everything. Um, I'm more than willing to be told that, hey, what you said was wrong on this. This is really what it is. Cool. Like, I, I want to do that research. I want to I see what you're talking about. I want to see how, you know, I was wrong in something. I like to get proven wrong. I think people that, that are so caught up with, you know, so caught up with doing uh, or, or being right all the time, uh, they're never open to new ideas. They're never open to a new way of thinking, and they never grow. And I think that we need to, as humanity, wake up because we're going to get overrun. We're already getting overrun. Um, with technology, with elitism, with division, everything that's going on right now is a byproduct of what we have allowed to happen to us for a long time. Uh, I want to touch on. You, I want to touch on the one word that you use: division. And 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 I I encourage every one of you to just take a minute and think about every time you turn on your television and you listen to your news program, whether it's CNN or whether it's MSNBC, whether it's uh, Fox or whether it's even your local, uh, local news broadcast and look at every story is designed and put out there to create division. It is, it is it is created to elicit you choosing a side and it's on everything, everything, you know, and the more you look at it and the more you, you, you understand that it's going on. Everything in this world is designed to divide us. Right. And it, it, everything though, you said it perfectly, Eric. It's not just one or two things that we see in our face all the time, like race or the medical agenda is going on right now or you know, gender. Those are some of your big points that they put in your face, but it's even little stuff. Everything's division. You can't think differently than someone else and not be divided. You know, And, and again, I, I will say this. There, there is a natural division between good and evil. Now I want to preface that. And I think that's the division where there should be a division. Right? Right. You know, I don't think that you need to wake up and be like, mm, you know what? I, I think I'm going to go kidnap like 10 kids and run them across the border and sell them to these people. Like that's evil. Like that's not something you want to be a part of or, or doing unless that you're, you're evil. And that's what you are considering yourself to be, uh, link to, and you want to create that lifestyle for yourself. But I think there is that natural division, but I do think that society's upper constructs use that into making division between us. Like, well, that's good. That's evil. That's a, when it's not because race isn't good or evil. So, but they make you feel that way by 
constantly throwing stuff in your face and they'll throw it a million different ways Eric think about it think about when you wake up and, and you look at something and then you see another article and then another article and it's all about the same subject but it's a like a million different angles about it mm-hmm. and and you just created eight divisions there yep. eight different people eight different divisions of people that think differently and they all hate each other because of it and you have and to nobody it. even took and- the time to talk to someone else because like you said, we sit there on our damn phones and we sit there and argue with people with our little Twitter, Twitter fingers. And we argue with people without actually asking the questions or having a conversation in public or, or having a conversation with somebody face to face or over the phone. Nobody even talks on the phone anymore. It's just almost in a text. You don't even know what that text means. Right. You know, the concept text of the text is, or, you know, you're mad over text and they didn't even mean that. And if God forbid you forget to use uh, emojis, there's there's no way to tell what the the intent behind that statement right. that you just made. Did he mean that seriously? Right. Was he laughing? Was he being sarcastic? Was that a joke? Right. You know, did he really say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh right. my word, man! You know, and as we're talking about this, you know, I I have uh, uh, college football on on the TV, and I'm looking up, and it's one team versus another. If you're a fan of Oklahoma state, you can't be a fan of Texas. So there's, there's a division and there's an entire billion dollar industry created around people taking sides, picking their team, you know, and, and that's just one aspect of it, but it's so simple in, in light of, you know, something that we enjoy doing on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon during football mm-hmm. season right? or during the summer, but during baseball season, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, sure. You can, you can assign that to, to just about anything in life, but that I'm not, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that college football is inherently evil, but what I'm well, saying, no, I mean, that's all you get, you're saying, yeah. but what I'm saying is that, that, that ability for you to easily be swayed into choosing a side is what they play on. And that's why they present things in the way that they do to you. Knowing, knowing full well that you are going to take a side and they don't care what side you take as long as 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 you take a side, as long as you take a side and it opposes somebody else. Right. That's the important thing to them. You know, I often think back, not often, but I have thought in the past, you know, it's like if we, if we could go back to when we, when we wore loincloths and lived out under the stars and had to hunt for our food and, you know, our, our culture was very rudimentary. You know, we were mm-hmm. um, nomads on the land was, you know, because I can't help but think that our morality that you have and that I have, that my morality was um, cultured and and uh, instilled in me by the way I was raised. Right. Right. So I agree. If you if you go back to when we didn't have the education that we have, when when people were just basically beasts that wandered the earth, you know, when we were just in our primordial Neanderthalic, was there a morality? Was there something that they were 
inherently born with in their, whether it's in their soul or whether it was in their genetic makeup or in their mind, was there, was there a morality? Was there a obvious, an obvious knowing of right from wrong? No, no, we shouldn't do this. Is that, is that where it all stemmed from? Or, you know, back then was it, was it a, an absolute free for all? No, I think there definitely was. I think there's definitely morality from the dawn of time with humanity. I think that's what separates us from, you know, animals in a sense. That that and cognizant thought. Right. But I also think that there, there's, in saying that though, I think the absence of morality brings us closer to animalistic nature. So I think that, that's where that Baphomet comes back into play, right? You got the animal aspect mm-hmm. of Baphomet. That's, that's, you know, grouped in with the transhuman and good and evil mixed together where there is no good and evil. Because if you don't have good and evil, you do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. We, I could wake up today and do whatever I want. I go out with a gun and ship at Walmart. There's no consequence for that. Had a good time. You know, that's, that's how you have to look at that part of it. So I think part of that transhumanism, part of that Baphomet hive mind is to bring people to a place where there is no morality. There is no right and wrong. We just are, and we do whatever we want. There is no consequence to it. Um, there's no, who cares that you cause someone pain or hurt or whatever. They were weak do whatever I want. And I think that's the danger of where we're moving to right now as a world society. Uh, We've always had that built in our foundation because, you know, evil has always been a part of spirituality. So you're always going to have that pressure. But I think that, I don't think most people are born evil. I really don't. I think that there are things that may move us that way, Um, some people I think maybe are just around certain things that shape them that way Mm -hmm. and become that way. But I, I think for the most part, I think we're all born with a sense of morality in a good way. Um, you know, maybe I'm proven wrong on that, but I think that that's more of a taught thing, whether it's subconscious or conscious, and it's something that maybe events in our life have shaped us to think like as well that's when you start getting on that Nietzsche route of you know that absence of morality and doing whatever I want and I have a serial killer mind and whether you're a serial killer or not you just got that mind of absence of morality where you can go about whatever you want to do there is no consequence there is no law the law that's created is is subject to me yeah it doesn't apply police don't <laughs> police, police don't exist military don't exist they live in a boxed in framework that if only they could wake up, they would think like me, but that's what we're moving towards, Eric. That's, that's exactly what society is moving towards uh, as a whole. We're, we're going to get there and it's going to get to that point where, you know, maybe yeah. another and, flood incident go down. And, and, <laughs> I, and I think, you know, I, I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to be cons- a considerable amount of time before it happens. Um, you know, yes, I, I think all the, uh, all the trappings are there to show that we are moving in that direction. Um, right. But looking back at how gradual the indoctrination has been 
up until this point. Um, and we're still not clearly there. I think this mm-hmm. is going to be something that I'm hopefully not going to experience in my life. And, and I'm hoping that I live out a very full, uh, <laughs> a very full life. Um, that being said, the changes that I have seen since being an early teen to now, it's pretty staggering. It, it is, well, it, it, it's sad in a, in many instances, it's sad. Other instances, it's exciting, you know, uh, some of the technology and stuff that's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but man, I don't know. I, think I, don't danger, know. I don't know where it's going. I think the danger for some people is this, to think that it's that far away. Then we don't act on what we can't act on now to prevent those things. It goes back to what I said earlier, looking out for your family that lives on behind you. I, I you agree with there? you a hundred percent. And I did. And looking back on it now, I, I was not, um, I was not trying to say that I'm not going to worry about it because it's going to happen mm-hmm. after I'm gone. That it, I wasn't, right. I wasn't trying to make light of it and say, well, as long as it happens after I die, I don't give a shit. That's, that's right. Not what I got I what you meant at. though. I totally get what you meant on that aspect though when you said it. I, I was just speaking of people that generally, and I've heard several people like, ah, it's never going to happen around my lifetime or whatever. My biggest quip to that is too, like, we don't know. Like, yeah. and two years a, from now. And it's a great point that you make because it's never too late to try to change. Right. To wake up. Never too late to do research or actually, you know, I said some wild things today. 80% of the people out there are not going to take on board what I said. And that's cool. But maybe that 20% of people that like, man, I, I kind of want to look that up and, and see what he's talking about. There may be some truth to that. Go, go look it up, do some research. I don't always present everything for you to give to you. It's good to do your own research because then you can formulate your own thoughts. And that's part of cognitive thinking. That's, that's a part of you creating in your mind what you believe is true, but always subject to knowing that you don't know the whole story or that you could be wrong. You could be thinking one way for a couple of years and then some other evidence comes along back to science. Yeah. Other evidence comes along that, well, that's not, that's not true. Okay. That I see where this makes more sense now. Because that's the evolution of science or that's the evolution of your mind being able to process, take in the information. This is what I think today, but I'm very open-minded to if other evidence comes along that shows me a different way of thinking, I'm going to take that on too. So, you know, I got a hard time with people that immediately take to one thing that they hear and will not be open to anything else. I, I got a really hard time with that because I can't buy what you're selling. I just can't do it because your information comes from a source that's highly manipulated, highly controlled. So unless you're looking at other avenues and aspects and you've done that research and then you came back to me and said, I still think this, I, I did all this research and I, I actually feel like that this is still the truth. Okay. I'm way more willing to take that on. There's mm-hmm. several people I know that I think completely opposite about certain subjects 
but they've actually done the research and they're very intelligent. No problem with that. None at all. But I would say 90% of the people that believe one way or the other uh, on any subject really haven't done any research. They either took something that mainstream told them or a mainstream source online told them, or this is the, this is the best one is when they heard it from somebody else that, <laughs> that supposedly did the research when they actually just saw the headline of an article, didn't read the article and they told somebody and somebody believed it. That happens way more often than you think. Well, I saw so, it on Facebook. Oh God, Facebook. I haven't had Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Eric, in like nine years. Like I haven't had, I got rid of it so long ago, way before like anything got crazy. I, I got exhausted with it. People will post an article and it would just be a headline and people start going off. They haven't even read the article, one. Two, the article's probably mainstream, and it's, and it's a load of horse manure. And they're not paying attention to, you know, what's really going on here. Did you – Did you? I love this word, fact check. Did you mm-hmm. actually fact check? Did you listen to the article and read through it and then go check, check it against other articles and then go deeper? Start looking at some books on the subject. Start going to actual – uh, websites that harness the information or at least tap themselves to harness the information to actually do that. Did you spend any time at all? No, you didn't. So either way that you think about it, whether you think it's true or not think it's true, if you didn't do any research, you have no bones to have a valid argument with me at all about any of this stuff at all, like anything because, or with anybody that actually has done research because you are very comfortable in your Netflix mind and your Hulu mind and you're just going to suck in whatever they give you and sit in front of your Xbox or PlayStation play video games all day long. Not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying that if you consume yourself too much and you brought it up earlier with your phone, if you consume yourself with that phone all day and you don't break away from it, then you're ne- you're never going to be in touch with reality. I mean, I find myself like I got to take a break from stuff. Like I'll just, not look at my phone for a day or two or, you know, have it for emergencies or whatever, but I don't need to get there. I don't need to look at mainstream media all day. I don't need to look at this stuff all day. I found myself way to be way happier in or, the past few or months. Better yet, start- or better yet, you take a, take a long weekend and you go traipsing mm-hmm. around in the middle of Daniel Boone national forest looking for exactly <laughs> looking for <laughs> looking for some stuff that maybe shouldn't not ought to be in existence i came back so rejuvenated from that trip um on one aspect I, I disconnected you know and i really got back into nature just on that aspect alone i felt rejuvenated everybody did that one on that trip it was funny when we got back even tony was like man i just feel totally different i felt like i left a piece of me that needed to be left there and I came back with a new piece, the hero's journey, as they call it. Um, well, it grounds true. It grounds you. It, it, it does. And I think that even before that trip, I was doing that alone. Like I was taking some days where I was like, I'm not going to mess with my phone. Like, or I'll just, you know, emergencies. I got it on, you know, if something happens to the family or whatever. You got it there, but you're not looking at it all day. You're not on social media all the time. Um, you know, I found myself so much happier in the past few months just not paying attention to as much of mainstream media or even just stuff that's going on in the world. I try to stay aware, obviously, and the kind of music that I do, I need to be aware of what's going on. 
um, because I, I do tap into that a lot, but I do find myself taking longer stretches um, or just taking in minimal information. I'm like, you know, I'm going to study that later when I get a chance, but a lot happier. Um, they say the happiest man is the guy that just lives in a tent out in the woods and doesn't have a phone really like, (laughs) and that's, that's to the point that I'm going to make here is, you know, the, the fact that you can walk away from your phone for a, a day or a weekend, um, and not pay it much attention. That that's, that's a big step. That's a, that's a good thing. I think everybody should do that. Um, right. You know, don't look at Instagram today. Don't, right. Don't do the you know, the, the social media junket, but there's a difference when you go put your feet on the ground in nature. When you do that, you are, you have left the, the pageantry, you have left the, um, deceptions. You have left all of the things that people are trying to put in front of you and make you believe and then you walk out into the woods and you are surrounded by what the creator has put in front of you. And those are that's the, right. those are the things that that's why it's so, that's why so many people have that amazing feeling. Like you're talking about you and Tony, you, know, you come back and it's like, man, I felt like I left a piece of me that needed to be left out there. Mm-hmm. And I came back with something else. Right. People don't do enough of that. It, it's a very grounding thing. It helps, it helps put things in perspective. You know, you can, you can sit and debate the legitimacy of, uh, Fox news versus CNN versus, you know, is the, is the CERN statue of Shiva, is that really supposed to mean <laughs> it's the destroyer or is it actually supposed right. to mean the representation of life force or, you know, there's right. a, lot of, a lot of statues, man, you know, they can mean all yeah. kinds of stuff. They don't necessarily mean Satan, even though one of their statues looks like the number six, 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 it's, it's supposed to be representative of particle accelerator. You know, you can't right. read everything into it, right? But when you right. go out into nature and you look at trees, there's nothing to read into it. It's a freaking tree, man. It's there by the grace of the creator. Right. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I know I'm preaching to the choir choir as far as, you know, talking to you, but you know, just right. what I'm trying to get across <laughs> to the the listeners is man everything that's in your pocket and, and in front of you on your, your, uh, your work desk, that's not right. all there is to the world, man. There's not, there's a lot more to the world than, and, and you can get away from it. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think it's important to do that. And when you start doing that, you start looking at things from a different perspective where if somebody says something that you don't agree with, that doesn't mean that you have to agree with them even after talking to them, you can walk away from that conversation and feel completely fine with how you believe in it. That doesn't mean you have to hate that person. No, we need to hate become a part of our common lexicon that we use all the time. Um, I, I feel like that, you know, you know, and I bring up the religious aspect, but you know, it goes back to Jesus. Like he never shunned anyone. Like that was not a part of what, he was always touted as. So if, especially for people that follow a religious aspect in Jesus, if they sit there and make fun of somebody for 
not thinking like them or being something different, then you are not following what you say you're following. Mm -hmm. Because you could be completely right in what you think. That person could be completely wrong and they could be following something wrong, all that. But that doesn't mean that you hate them and you show them some sort of hatred. How would you, how would they even be able to come to the concepts that you think if you're already presenting this front of superiority and hatred? How? And that's with anything in life. That goes outside of religious stuff too. That goes with anything. How do you expect people to take on board what you're trying to say, especially me in like the truth or aspect where I come with some very wild concepts and theories as far as, you know, mainstream thought process. How would I expect somebody to take that on board? If I'm not one, even presenting myself that I even live that lifestyle Two, if I'm not open-minded to letting someone else speak about how they feel and how they think that it doesn't, those are the two things that in my mind come up that, when we're talking to someone else, when we're taking on board what someone else says, listen to them. They may have something you hadn't thought about. Even if 90% of what they said was absolute crap. The absolute and worst. It, and, it, and it literally was. Say, say it really was. They were totally wrong about something. But there could be a 10% of something they're saying that you hadn't thought about. But you wouldn't have caught that, and it wouldn't have spawned off another train of thought, a thought process a research study for yourself to where you learn more if you didn't give that person a chance. Exactly. The absolute worst that can happen is you walk away with understanding a different perspective. Right. You don't end up at the end of the day. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with it, but at least you had the opportunity to engage and understand for a moment, a different perspective. And I think, with everything that we've covered today, I think that's that's all that you're asking is people to just open their head, open their mind, and don't take what's being forced down your throat as being the truth. Look right. at it look at it for yourself. Your gut's gonna tell you whether it's right or wrong. I totally agree with that. I couldn't have said it better. Joel, we're two hours, two hours and 20 minutes into it. As we do. As we do. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to, again, let all the listeners know where they can uh, find you on Instagram. And um, then I'm going to ask you to tell me, tell me a little bit about this song that we're going to end up with. Sure. So, guys, if you want to follow me and what I do, whether it's music or monster hunting, or if you just want some good red pills to wake you up, uh, follow me at van underscore Tesla double underscore. It's V-A-N underscore T-E-S-L-A double underscore. Follow me there. You can get all the info of what you need to find. Uh, Tony Merkel, who runs a huge podcast, is a part of this journey. He set it up um, as far as us monster hunting and the big documentary coming out about us chasing dog man down in Kentucky, follow him at the confessionals podcast. Uh, you'll find him pretty quick. Like I said, the guy's a genius, um, which by the way, I'm, I'm supposed to be recording with him uh, coming up in February. 
I'm actually going to be I able that. for the and first time. I actually time. spoke to him about that. Yeah, I spoke to him about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, we actually spoke on the phone. And I was like, actually, I was like, Eric's on your show in February. And he was like, oh, that's great. So, you know, he's always looking. He loves talking to the podcasters. And that's he's one thing about Tony that you can always count on is Tony wants everyone else to succeed. He doesn't live in a world where he's competing with everybody else to be better than everyone else. He wants you to succeed. He wants me to succeed. He wants uh, Ward, uh, who is with uh, Dark Holler. People go there on Instagram. He's got some great documentaries coming out. Um, and Christian uh, Roper, who's got some fantastic photography up on his Instagram as well. Um, you'll be able to find these guys pretty quick if you follow any of our pages. We're all kind of connected. Um, but they've all these guys that I'm working with right now are just phenomenal got some great content coming even in their own individual right and then us together with uh the uh legion of legends that we're working on too um, with this documentary and future documentaries so make sure you follow us at those places um you can get to all the rest of them from my page um or the confessionals which is a pretty big page uh but again you know we want other people to succeed uh, we're all competitive in the sense of we compete with ourselves as far as like internally, I compete with myself. I want to be better than I was yesterday, but I do want everyone to succeed. Like I want to work with people uh, the same with the people I work with, with anything that I do, even working with you, Eric. Like I think that that's goes back to that division. Like let's, let's break down those division walls. Yep. Let's help each other succeed in, you know, every aspect, everybody's got their own talents and traits we're not going to have the same, but that what that's what makes us unique as human beings. So you can find us there. Get ready for the big documentary. It's going to be nuts. Um, it's it's really going to be good. I, I'm very excited for people to see our journey hunting down dog man in the Kentucky woods. Uh, we did some things that most people wouldn't do that we were warned not to do. So it's going to be a great journey. As far as I know, you wanted me to talk about this song. Uh, it's called Psyop. Um, I wrote this song basically on the uh, pretense of what the name of the song is <laughs> about everything being a psyop. Um, it's definitely a little bit genre, different genre style for me, um, which I've done before, but I recently just got back into to bring in with the hip hop stuff I'm doing. Um, I know I sent it to you and, and you liked it. I'm hoping everyone else likes it. They're going to hear it here first. Um, it will come out uh, Wednesday, 12 a.m. Well, technically Thursday, 12 a.m., but it'll be like Wednesday night. So it'll pop up there um, on my uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, any of the major streaming sites. You can go to my Instagram to catch it there, or you can just t type in Joel Thomas um, on either Apple Music or Spotify, and it'll be there too as well. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can't go back to the moon. And you 
Joel Thomas, thank you so much for being with us again today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Eric. I'm uh, sure we'll do this again sometime. Definitely. <laughs> we'll give it a month or so, and we'll get back at it. There's never a For sure. never a lack of things to talk about when it comes to you and I. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, my friend. See you later. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>